Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Kephas and then on to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Now I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or it is they, this is what we preach and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can, you some, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us that victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Have you ever felt like giving up? Just ever been sort of in the midst of something, something you were pursuing, going after, um, you know, charging after, and you just got to a moment um, where you just sort of said, enough. You just didn't know if you could sort of keep doing it. We've all been there, haven't we? We've all been in those places where it just seemed like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. 
Well, this morning we, we are wrapping up our, our series in, in 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians, um, you could understand maybe if you've been following along with us why the Corinthians might, after reading this letter from Paul, might be at the moment of saying, oh, enough. Because Paul's had to say some very um, corrective and, and challenging things back to, to the Corinthians. I'm really glad that Andy preached on all of those topics through the last few weeks. But, um, but we know we've been hearing some really challenging things that Paul says to the church. But today as, as we wrap this up and today as we come to the penultimate chapter, uh, the last chapter of Corinthians is really just greetings. This is the, the end of really Paul's sort of message to the Corinthians and if you remember all the way back, if you were with us at the beginning of this series, it started with, um, with Andy sharing and talking about the message of the cross and the power of the cross. And today we come to the end and, and Paul comes back, but, but subtly different, not to so much the, the message of the cross and the crucifixion, but to the message of three days after the crucifixion, and that is the resurrection. Now, he has some things in this chapter that um, he's, again, last chapter trying to correct some things that are going on. We're not going to focus on that today, but we do want to just talk for a few minutes about the resurrection of Jesus and the power of his resurrection this morning. I think the first thing that, um, that strikes me as we read this passage um, that I think we need to be reminded of, and that is that what we believe matters what we put our trust in, what we put our faith in, what we put our belief in makes a difference. Paul says that in, uh, in, in this chapter in, in this way. He says, by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the, world, to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. He says that this gospel matters. And if it if it's not doesn't matter, then then your belief is in vain. There's something in our culture for the last probably 50 years or so that it, we've seen it quite substantially, I think, and that is sort of this sense that it doesn't really matter what we have faith in; it's the fact that we have faith. Well, you know what? It just it's as long as we're sincere and we have faith and we believe in something, that's really that's really good, isn't it? And, and that often pervades our culture around us, and it can pervade our thinking about faith, that it's, it's really mostly about the fact that we have faith, that that's what's important. It really doesn't matter so much what we have faith in. Well, if that's the way you think, I have some investments I would love to talk to you about. <laughs> because you know what? It matters what we put our faith in, doesn't it? My guess is that all of us in this room have at times put our faith in someone or something that didn't prove, prove to be faithful. That we put our belief and we put our trust in, in an institution, in a person, in a, in a bank account or an investment portfolio or something like that. We put our trust and our faith in something and it turned out not to be what we anticipated and expected it to be. And we were let down and we were broken and we were hurt. Because it's not that we have faith, it's that we have faith and we have belief. It's in what we have faith and we have belief in. And so Paul says it's fundamentally important that you understand that it matters 
who you believe in and what it is you believe about Jesus and particularly today, his resurrection. So he goes on and he says this. He says that fundamentally, this is the message. This is the message of Jesus. He distills it down to a few small things that all of us can remember. He says this is the message in verse 3 he gives it. That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's pretty simple, isn't it? This is the message that we put our faith and we put our hope and we put our belief in. It's what we just were talking about here and Andy was sharing with us a minute ago in, in the baptism. This wonderful baptism. It is that the, the core of our faith, the core of our hope, the message that we're putting our trust in is that not only was Christ crucified, because you know what, Christ's crucifixion without resurrection would be a very different story, wouldn't it? But that Christ was crucified, that he was buried, and that he rose again, that he was resurrected. If Christ would have simply just died on a cross and resurrection hadn't happened on that Sunday morn. Well, he might have been a footnote somewhere in the books of history about a man who sort of lived a different kind of life and, and did some really amazing sorts of things and ended up being just another martyr for what he believed in. And Paul says that's not the message of the cross. The message of the cross is that after he suffered death, he was raised again, that he was resurrected and came back. And he goes on, Paul goes on to say, and then he appeared. He appeared to those around him. He appeared to his friends and the disciples. He appeared to other followers of his. And Paul ultimately says, and he even appeared to me, even though I wasn't there, he came and appeared to me years later on a road to Damascus. That's what matters, this message. Well, as we think about resurrection and the hope of this resurrection that we have and we celebrate in Christ, there's, there's sort of two parts, two things this morning I'd like to look at for just a minute. One is there's a looking back, that the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead is a transformational thing in our lives. Because Jesus didn't just die on a cross, but because he rose back from the dead, we know that he's conquered death and hell and sin in the grave. That's why Paul says that he died for our sins. We can live in the transformational power of Jesus. You remember Jesus used to go and do miracles and, and when he was doing miracles, oftentimes he might sometimes not just say stand up and walk, he might actually start with saying your sins are forgiven. And people would look at that and go, uh, I don't, who are you to forgive sins? Well, there's no denying his power after the resurrection. <laughs> there's no denying that power that, that we have the ability to live differently because our sins have been forgiven. That we know that there's transformation that happens. Paul says this in, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
about this kind of transformation that we undergo. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. In another verse in the same chapter, he says, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's the power of resurrection. To change our lives, to set us free from sin and death but also to give us purpose to live for. We've talked a number of times throughout this, throughout this series about how we have the opportunity to live for something outside of ourselves. And he says that here, isn't it? This purpose, this sense of purpose that we no longer have to live for ourselves, but for him who died and was raised again. So we look back to that, his resurrection, and we know that it brings transformation to our lives. But then there's also a piece of looking forward. Looking forward to what is to come. Paul puts it this way. He, he says about Jesus that Jesus is the first fruits. Now that's kind of a really strange word for us in our culture. First fruits. You have to have been around church for a long time in a certain part of the church to even kind of know what that means. That's really churchy language. What first fruits are was um, in the Old Testament, what would happen is it's harvest time, isn't it? And, and we had lots of harvest celebrations going on. You've probably been to some at kids, your kids' school and all of that. What would happen is at the beginning of harvest, the very first part of the harvest is when the first things were gathered in for the harvest. The very first things that were gathered up, whatever it was that was, was being reaped, that was brought as an offering to God, a first fruits offering. It was this sense that, you know what? There's gonna be food to eat this year. We're gonna be able to eat and feed our family. We're gonna be able to sell it and get other things that we need. And so you would take the very first things that you, that you harvested and you would take that and you would offer it back to the Lord. And it not only was a celebration of what, what has happened, but it was also a, a step of faith saying, and we know the rest of the harvest is still going to come in. There's still more to come. And what Paul is saying here is that Jesus is the first fruits, that he was resurrected. And just like that first offering that was given, it's, a, it's both something has happened, but it's also a sign that there's more to come. There's more harvest to come. And so Paul says that Jesus' resurrection is like a first fruits because he was resurrected. And guess what? If we follow after him, if we're his disciples and we seek after him and follow after him, we too will be resurrected. And that's the future hope that we have. Not a kind of escapism that we just sort of got to hopefully get through this world as it is and somehow, someday, some way, you know, we, we get to escape it all. But no, a sense that, that God has a plan for his creation. And that plan for his creation is that everything be brought back into unity with God. And so listen to these words that Paul writes in, in the middle of this chapter, some that we didn't read today. So it will be that the with the resurrection of the dead, the body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. 
And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of our heavenly Father. So I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the perishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. That's our hope. You ever feel like giving up? You ever look around and just sort of feel like, I don't know, I see a lot of death around me. I see a lot of things that are still broken, a lot of things that just aren't the way they should be. I see some things inside that I know just aren't the way they should be. And in those moments, we can come to that place where we just sort of say, I feel like giving up. The message of Paul today to us to hear is to say, don't give up. Don't give up because death is going to be swallowed up in victory. There is hope. Keep persevering. Keep pressing on. Not only have you had the opportunity to experience the transformation of Jesus in your life now, but there's more to come. There's more to come. So these final words, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your labor in the Lord's not in vain. Don't give up. Paul had some challenging things to say. But he ends in saying there's hope. Don't give up. Yeah, some corrections need to happen. We kind of go get astray here and there. But if I got good news for you, there's so much more to come. So much more to come. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the message of hope. We thank you for the core message of your gospel that you were crucified and died for our sins, that you were buried and that you rose again. Lord, may we experience something today of your resurrection power in our lives. I would just especially like to pray this morning if maybe you've never experienced anything of God's resurrection power in your life and you're sort of saying, I don't know exactly what that means, but there's something inside me today that is saying, I want to know it. I want to experience it. If that's you, I'm just going to pray this prayer and you just can respond in your heart right now and say yes to it. 
Heavenly Father, we just say that we want to know the power of your resurrection in our lives. We want to just say yes to this core message that you died, you were buried, and you rose again. And maybe today you don't understand at all what that means, but you're just saying yes to it. We just say, come, Lord Jesus. Come, send your resurrection power into those today that would be saying yes. May they begin to experience a transformation of life that comes when we believe and we put our faith in the one who is faithful and trustworthy. And Lord, for those of us who have experienced something of your resurrection power in our lives, Lord, we just pray that you would fill us with faith and encourage us again today to press on. Remind us of the hope that we have in you, the future that you have for us and for all of your creation. It's a future of goodness. It's a future of this world being reconciled fully and completely back to you. And Lord, we just say, we long for that today. And we say, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. We long to see the fullness of your gospel come over your creation. And may we align ourselves with the work that you're doing in this world and on this planet. We thank you today. Lord, may we be empowered to do your work. May we live our lives fully alive to you. And may we be messengers of the hope of your resurrection. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.